For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. Well, ladies and gentlemen, censorship is alive and well, and its new home is Fox Television. This is Mark McCloskey on News Talk STL, and you know. I'd be remiss if I didn't spend some time talking about my uh, my friend and uh, um, kind of hero, Tucker Carlson, recently departed from Fox News. But, you know, the, the answer is that uh, the, the left always talks about how they're interested in freedom and democracy and free speech and the Constitution. And yet the way they always tell us it will guarantee our constitutional freedom of sp- free speech is by having state-sponsored censorship. And so... You know, you gotta you gotta reflect a little bit on uh, on Sunday night. AOC is being interviewed by Jen Psaki, and AOC says that uh, people like Tucker Carlson need to be controlled. That Tucker Carlson is giving let's see, exact quote is uh, um, indict in, incitement to violence, and that's the line that has to be drawn. That when somebody on the news talks about incitement to violence, then they need to be censored because we can't have incitement to violence in a free democracy. But, of course, they never mention stuff like, oh, I don't know, Chuck Schumer standing on the Supreme Court steps and saying that if Gorsuch and Kavanaugh don't get it right, they'll have to pay the price. Never remember things like, oh, I don't know, who is this? Maxine Waters standing out there telling the crowd that whenever they see a, a Republican or a member of the administration in a restaurant or a gasoline station, that they should uh, surround them and, and make them uncomfortable and try to get them to leave. How about Kamala Harris during the, uh, the quote, summer of love, during the Riots throughout the United States where billions of dollars in property were burned, dozens of people were killed, thousands of cops injured. And uh, she says, well, the the riots are going to continue and they should continue. I guess those aren't incitements to violence. I guess those are incitements to love and peace and prosperity and democracy and free discord in the marketplace. And when, when transgender activists, whatever the hell that misnomer is, when they decide to take over state houses and assault state assemblymen and state representatives, that's not an insurrection, right? That's that's just a peaceful protest. That's what should happen. And that's when Democrat congressmen, like the ones in Tennessee, and I guess yesterday, was it in Michigan? Someday this week, um, get censored by the legislature for, for backing the violence against the legislature. In Tennessee, when uh, the transgender activists, meaning a whole bunch of dumb white girls that with nothing better to do that day, decide to take over the state house and three members of the legislature join them, and denounce the legislature and advocate violence, you know, that's just a, a peaceful protest. That's what's laudable by the left. Um, when, a, uh, when a representative stands up in, in a debate regarding um, outlawing the mutilation of children in the state and says that protecting children from mutilation means that the Republican legislature will have blood in its hands, not cutting the nuts off of kids will cause you to have blood in your hands, that person, um, when they get censored, that's a, that's an, a terrorist act and an act against free speech and against democracy. Um, but when they take over the House, it's not. Well, 
in, in the modern American discourse, there are only two people that I'm aware of that are willing to tell the truth and say what's really going on, regardless of the consequences. One of them is President Donald Trump, and the other is Tucker Carlson. Both of those individuals are willing to say in public, on television, the thing that the rest of us are all thinking and believing, but we're afraid to say because of the overriding censorship, the kind of subtle but pervasive control that the media and the marketplace and your bosses and your school teachers and your hospitals and everybody else imposes upon you that you have to speak the party line, you have to accept the party line, or you'll be censored. Well, so I was reflecting today. I was thinking about, you know, Tucker Carlson took over in uh, the nighttime slot uh, on Fox, I think in 2016. And it was kind of a revelation because uh, in the old days, you know, here's, here's Tucker Carlson. He's not arrogant. He's not self-important. He's, uh, he's not mean-spirited or vicious or anything else. He's not one of those nasty, self-righteous, angry people that you see on MSNBC. He's not Rachel Maddow or, or uh, uh, Joe Scarborough or, that, or Mika Brzezinski or any of these, these nasty people that lecture you and always look hateful and, and superior. He had fun with it. I mean, in the old days, he'd get the Democrats to come on board because they thought they were smarter than he was, right? They thought that they would uh, be able to, to get out there and sell their crap. And, and Tucker just plays with them like, like a cat with a mouse, right? Batting them back and forth. Some of these people were so stupid that they had absolutely no idea they were being made fun of. And eventually the light bulb went off, and no, all of a sudden, no more Democrats would come on Tucker Carlson's show. And then he'd start having some Republicans on who were taking positions that didn't make any sense at all. And Tucker would be doing the same thing with him. He'd bat me batting him back and forth. What about this? What about that? Why didn't you say this? How can you say that if you really support individual rights and freedom? And uh, pretty soon, you know, no Republicans would come on his program. And the problem is that he would always call them on the carpet and make them make sense. One of the uh, um, things that I've said since I was in grade school is that if you, if the points you're trying to make are logical and sensible, you can pretty much defend them in an argument. That if what you're saying is true and based on logic and reason, through logical and reasonable conversation, you can convince the other person of the, the truth and the validity of your points. And that's what Tucker Carlson was good at. The left, on the other hand, deals exclusively in emotionalism and rhetoric. And that's why they have a hard time coming in front of somebody who's really willing to tell the truth. So I think that some of the things where, where Tucker would talk about that nobody else would early on is, he, is immigration. Immigration as being something that, that the open border isn't good for the United States, isn't good for our, for our republic is not good for Western civilization and is not good for the national interest of the United States. And he's the one person that was out there early on saying that what the purpose of immigration, the reason why the left has opened the gates to America and is letting in as many human beings that wish to, to come in and not, not from, or, you know, what did, uh, what did, uh, um, uh, what did President Trump put it, hellhole countries, um, not Sweden and Norway, but, you know, from countries that are their hellholes. And, and, and uh, Tucker was willing to say things along those lines, too, that, uh, that, that it's making America a, a, a um, less d developed country, it's making it a dirtier place, and it's making a, a more divisive country. And for, once again, Whatever they say, they mean the exact opposite. And when they say they wish to be inclusive, they mean they want to be divisive, means they want to weaken the country. Who is the only guy out there in a world where every single network, including Fox, 
and everybody else, and Newsmax was push, push, pushing for war against Russia, push, push, pushing to give Vladimir Zelensky everything he wants to promote his war against Russia. Who was the only guy that stood up and said there is no vital American interest in supporting Ukraine? Who was the only guy that stood up and said that uh, that Zelensky is a, an autocrat, that Ukraine is not a democracy, that Ukraine is a totalitarian regime where Zelensky's put his political opponents in prison, has closed down uh, opposition media, and runs the country with an iron fist. And by the way, who is the only guy that would stand up and say, where the hell are the billions of dollars that we're shipping over there going? What accountability is there when these people are in Switzerland buying chalets and buying Lamborghinis instead of, you know, whatever they're supposed to be doing with the billions of dollars you give them? Who's the only guy out there in the mainstream media that would, would, would talk about that and say it's not in America's interest? You know, if you want to spend hundreds of billions of dollars defending somebody's border, why not defend our own borders? You know, how about this? Who is the only guy in, in the summer of 2020 who is willing to stand up and say that BLM was just a scam and that Antifa is a terrorist organization and these entities that, that woke corporate America were shoveling hundreds of millions of dollars at were just a bunch of flim-flam artists and, and, and communists? You know, you know what else stood up and said? You see the, the legacy media guys standing in front of burning buildings and exploding cars, calling it a mostly peaceful protest. And there's one guy out there who's willing to say, no, this is, this is anarchy. This is the, the left using mob violence as its enforcement arm, as its me means of intimidation, that you do what we say or we'll send the mob against you. And by the way, the mob came against uh, my wife and I, and who is a one guy in the country other than Donald Trump? Two of them, same two guys, came to our rescue. Two people in the, in the United States of America, the President of the United States and, and Tucker Carlson uh, came to our call and, and went out of their way to give us assistance. I mean, I'll never forget the day when, when we were facing annihilation on, on uh, uh, the Friday, July the 3rd of 2020, and the day before, and we still thought that the mob that was coming avowed to kill us and burn down our house was going to come the next night, and we still had no idea if we were going to be saved or not. I put a call into Tucker Carlson. And he put me on the air and he says, I'm talking to Mark McCloskey. I can hear Mrs. McCloskey sobbing in the background. The city police have been ordered to stand down. The state of Missouri is not going to come and do anything to help them. If we don't do something, they're going to get killed. You know, you imagine that the world's most popular nighttime talk show host taking the time out to save the rear end of a couple of nobody lawyers in St. Louis. Who else is going to do that? Once again, then you got, who's, who, 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 who's the only guy that talked to you about election fraud uh, in 2020 and not based on uh, Dominion machines or um, hidden ballots or dead people voting? Sure, he mentioned all those kinds of things. But what was, uh, what was the main thing he said? The thing that you could not deny is that the left had their finger on the scale of, of the election through the FBI and the DOJ, that if nothing more than hiding and misdirecting uh, the, the, the public regarding Hunter Biden's laptop, that alone, that alone changed the outcome of the election. And now we know, of course, that Anthony Blinken was the one that arranged to have 51 intel experts say that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. So you got, you got the left lying from the top down 
and the one voice in the wind attempting to tell the truth was Tucker Carlson. Um, and, you know, we can, I can go on and on. There's so many things. I try to make a, a list of the ones that stuck out in my mind. Who was the only guy out there in the mainstream media who was willing to, to talk about uh, the uh, pandemic being, uh, what's the polite way of saying it, a little overblown, and that the vax mandates and the lockdowns were just means of control, and they were not, they were not intended to protect us from, vac- from the virus, but designed to control us and enforce the government. Well, on uh, Sunday before Tucker Carlson's fired, AOC gets on Gene Saki's Saki's so, show and says, "Say that three times fast," um, and uh, and says the Tucker Carlson must go. Next morning he gets fired. Chuck Schumer, on the floor of the Senate, spoke out saying, "This is a direct quote: Fox News, Rupert Mur- Murdoch, tell Tucker Carlson not to run the second segment on January 6th uh, videos." Right? The government hides. Tens of thousands of hours of video regarding the January 6th event. Um, uh, Speaker McCarthy gives it to Tucker Carlson. He runs an episode demonstrating that the government knowingly and intentionally set up um, uh, Jacob Chum, uh, Chun Chansley, uh, the Shuanon uh, shaman, QAnon shaman, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, and we're wondering... You know, and then the next night he shows how the government faked the evidence against another gentleman, and then all of a sudden nothing more. You know, who who out there could dispute that the that as a result of Chuck Schumer, the Murdochs, Fox News Network, uh, leaned on him and said no more truth about January 6th, no more counter-narrative evidence. We can't let the American people see what really happened because it's too important to call an insurrection, too important to call that a terrorist attack on our democracy because a real terrorist attack on their government is the truth. And the real attack on the powers that be are people that are willing to tell the truth. And so we have America's most popular nighttime talk show host who's willing to tell the truth. We've got the, the uh, uh, majority leader of the U.S. Senate threatening Fox News and Murdoch to take him off the air. We've got AOA, AOC saying that he has to be controlled, and the next day he's fired. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, censorship is alive and well, and this new home is Fox News, and Fox News now works for Chuck Schumer and AOC. You know, When I come back in just a minute, we all know that cell phones make us stupider, but it's a lot worse than you think. We don't get fooled again. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on NewstalkSTL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey, On Fire. This is Mark McCloskey, On Fire, on NewstalkSTL. Well, we all know that cell phones uh, tend to make us stupid and uh, they uh, make people more isolated and 
and diminish our humanity. I mean, when you when you go out to a restaurant next time, look around, see how many people having dinner are talking to each other and how many of them are just staring at their cell phones. You go out, there's a, there's a place we like to go out. I'll, I'll do a, a, um, a, a unpaid support for them. There's this place, really cool place outside of Springfield, Illinois, called the Route 66 Museum and Diner. And it says decorated. They've got, for example, a, a good copy of... Uh, of uh, uh, Peter Fonda's Captain America bike in the lobby. The thing's all decorated with car parts and, and old cars and motorcycles. We're sitting there on the way back from a campaign event, and uh, um, there's a table sitting next to us with about 10 family members, the youngest of which are kids like two through five, maybe three of them. Even the two-year-old, even the one in a bassinet has got a cell phone, right? And it's sitting there punching buttons. You know, I don't know if little monkeys are jumping up and down or what. But all, every single person had a different cell phone, and they're sitting there staring at it, punching their buttons. Completely isolated from their own family members at dinner. But look around the next time you're out any place. People walking across the street, they're not looking left. They're not looking right for cars. They're looking at their cell phone, thinking that somehow the the, uh, the powers of Samsung are going to save them getting splattered when some car hits them. But, it, but that's the best thing that cell phones can do for us. Everywhere in the world now, we're transitioning from... 4G cell phones to 5G cell phones. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot about the potential dangers of 5G cell phones, and I'm, I'm absolutely no kind of uh, technical expert, but it's my understanding that one of the differences with 5G is it's going to be broadcast on a, a variety of different frequencies. They go from, from low frequency to mid-frequency to high frequency. Each of these, each of these carrier waves has a, a different uh, way of interacting uh, through buildings and, and through solid objects and the different amount of information it can carry, the amount of, amount of or gigabytes per second that can be transmitted. And there's kind of an inverse relationship between the volume of data that can be transferred and the, and the distance over which it can be transferred uh, as a mechanism of the frequency and all kinds of fun details, which I'd go into for hours if I knew a damn thing about it, which I really don't. But I can tell you this, the most interesting thing is that nobody out there talks about it. Um, and this is probably something I can say universally. The less anybody in the mainstream media, the less the government, and the less that anything that you, you can read or hear says about something, it's probably the most important thing in your life, right? Because they never touch on the real issues. And I'm going to talk about this in a minute. But everything that's out there is designed to distract you from what's really important and to distract you from what is really going to adversely affect your life or the safety of your family or the security of this nation. Well, here's one little fun fact. Um, a lot of the technology for 5G cell phones comes from China. They got this company called Huawei, uh, which is a Chinese-owned tech company that makes cell phones, controls cell phones, all, all the Chinese cell phone industry, all Chinese telecommunications is owned by the Chinese government, meaning communists. Um, and here's a little interesting fact. There's a Chinese law. Uh, called the Cybersecurity Law of the People's Republic of China, which compels companies and individuals to assist the state intelligence agency on the collection of information whenever requested. So, at the risk of uh, being forever barred from the airwaves, next time you go past a campus, university, Washington University here in St. Louis, University of Missouri, wherever you are, just go by university at lunchtime and see what percentage of the people sitting out there um, are Chinese. 
And if you realize that each and every one of those people is by law mandated to be a Chinese agent, just think about that for a second. But also think about the fact that all Chinese technology, all Chinese cell phone technology is designed with back doors for them to enter in surreptitiously and collect your information. And the, uh, um, the Trump administration uh, was fairly strong on that. I mean, I, President Trump issued an uh, um, executive order, and I think that executive order was uh, number executive order 13873 that attempted to restrict the, uh, the ability of Chinese companies to do business in the United States or do business with the United States allies uh, through technology, which in fact was espionage disguised as cell phones. Well, that's part of it. That's a that's a, a really bad thing. And of course, TikTok's in the news these days on the on the same topic. But you know, back when they first came out with cell phones, there was a lot of talk about what electromagnetic radiation being held up against your head, or for that matter, in your pocket against your gonads, uh, would do to you. And so, and it was all brushed off as, oh, this is all conspiracy theory. Whenever anybody in the government tells you it's a conspiracy theory, you know it's reality, right? Because that's one of the that's one of the big bugaboos we've been taught since I was a kid. Oh, you can't believe in conspiracy theories. Well, why not? Because they're true, uh, and they they damage government. So I started. You know what I do for a living? Is I I, I mostly do uh, injury cases where sometimes the medicine is complex. And so what I do is I I do what's called a PubMed search. I look on the on the uh, uh, official publications list for peer-reviewed medical journals to see what the, the, the state of the art for medicine is in these particular areas. And you can do that with regarding cell phone uh, information too. So I did that the other day just to see whether or not when we're told all this stuff about um, cell phones being harmful to you is just BS or not. So um, uh, I'm looking at a uh, um, article titled, Long-term impairment of cognitive functions and alterations um, after continuous microwave exposure. So here's a, a study they did on uh, uh, these are studies. This this is a rat study. I mean, rats are probably smarter than human beings. They've been around here a lot longer, but they obviously study a lot of this on rats because you know you, you really don't want to fry the brains of human beings in, in doing these things. Um, but this was a study that was on peer-reviewed article uh, and. Uh, Published on, as it says right up here on the front of it, the official website of the United States government. All right. Um, and this was an article from 2017. And uh, they subjected rats to cell phone uh, radiation over different periods of time. And they did imaging, they did EEGs. And what they found was here's a conclusion. Our findings suggested that the continuous microwave exposure could cause dose-dependent, long-term impairment of spatial learning and memory, abnormalities of EEG, and hippocampal structure injuries. Okay, so here we go. Um, exposure to cell phone can uh, damage your cognitive ability. You ever, well, you know, I, I digress, but I tend to do that. Think about the fact that uh, all throughout the United States, people are trying to make dope legal, right? Missouri, our, our, our illustrious population voted in a constitutional amendment to allow recreational drug use and uh, recreational marijuana use. But if the two things that your teenage kids are doing the most, which is sticking a cell phone next to their ear or in front of their faces and smoking dope at the same time, when they both affect your cognition, how good is that for our future? Uh, here's another one. This is a, uh, an article, um, uh, from the 
the Europe, uh, Central European Journal of Urology uh, from April of uh, uh, 24, uh, I mean, not 24, April of 14, titled The Direct Influence, I'm sorry, The Influence of Direct Mobile Phone Radiation on Sperm Quality, okay? Well, I go back and I always digress. What's one of the things that the power elite really wants to do? They want to reduce the population, you know, by pandemic, by any means they can, by, by war, by every mechanism, by starvation. Uh, but what about the concept of reducing population by uh, uh, essentially sterilizing men through cell phones? So here's an article that uh, uh, was designed, once again, peer-reviewed medical journal, um, uh, on uh, whether or not cell phone radiation affects your fertility. Here's the results. The number of spermatozoa with progressive movements in the group influenced by electromagnetic radiation is statistically lower than the number of spermatozoa with progressive movement in the group under no effect of a mobile phone. Um, uh, not only did the, did, did the sperm swim less vigorously, the D, they were also found that DNA fragmentation was also significantly higher in this group. Uh, in other words, that uh, uh, if you uh, use a cell phone all the time, uh, it creates infertility. Um, here's, a, here's a conclusion. Besides the semen parameters, probably could negatively in, in impact on sexual communication, fertility, and quality of life by reducing erectile function, men with erectile dysfunction use their cell phones longer than those without ED. Men who have ED carry their cell phones switched on much longer than those who do not have ED. I, I, this was written, obviously, by somebody um, who uses uh, probably proper English rather than American. The uh, conclusion number three, for men readying themselves for fatherhood, especially when registered fertility problems exist, it would be better to avoid holding a cell phone in a trouser pocket for long periods of time. I mean, so this is all just one, you know, more conspiracy theories. Here's one. This is one I like. Um, accumulative effects of multi-frequency microwave exposure in the 1.5 gigahertz and 2.8 gigahertz on the structures and functions of the immune system. All right? So think about that. Um, that's one of the, uh, the uh, low ranges of the new 5G cell phones, um, this 1.5 gigahertz to 2.8 gigahertz band. Um, does that affect your immunity? Well, what are we talking about with immunity right now, right? We have this thing that they, they tried to call COVID-19, which was uh, allegedly a virus, um, and that people with impaired immune systems were highly susceptible to significant infection or death. At the same time that the entire world is pushing upon us cell phone technology, and that's not just cell phone, it's all kinds of Wi-Fi here, the Wi-Fi in your computer, um, anything that you, your tablet. Um, but here's, here's a study on whether or not microwave uh, radiation from cell phones would affect your immune system. Here's a conclusion. In conclusion, multi-frequency microwave exposure, microwave exposure of 1.5 gigahertz and 2.8 gigahertz cause both structural injuries of immune tissues and functional impairment in immune cells. So here you have, it makes you infertile. It impairs your memory and cognition. Um, 
And here's my favorite one. The most of the most of the cases that I do, most of the work of my law firm is in representing people that have had traumatic brain injury, um, and or or birth brain injuries, uh, and so we know a little bit about how the brain functions and what the brain lives on. Well, the brain operates on electromagnetic radiation. The brain, when you get an EAG, EEG, what the device is reading is brain waves, which are electromagnetic radiation. Turns out, cell phones work on the same frequencies as your brain does. Um, and here's a conclusion. In healthy patients and compared with no exposure, 50-minute cell phone exposure was associated with increased brain glucose metabolism in the regions closest to the antenna. Of particular concern was the potential carcinogenic effects of the radiofrequent emission of cell phones. Um, uh, uh, Although the intensity of, of radio frequency emissions is very low, the oscillatory frequencies corresponded to some of the oscillation frequencies recorded in neuronal tissue and could interfere with neuronal activity. What that means is, in, in plain English, that cell phones radiate at the same frequency as your brain communicates with itself. Uh, and consequently, um, basically it heats up your brain cells to where they don't function the way they would normally function. Uh, which is probably not a particularly good thing. But here's, here's a kicker. What parts of your brain does it affect? Um, the, uh, um, it says there were significant regional effects. What regions? The lower part of the right superior temporal gyrus, um, the right orbital frontal cortex, um, the, the, uh, the superior temporal gyrus is like here, um, uh, and uh, significant increases in the uh, uh, glucose activity of the brain. Well, your uh, frontal orbital cortex, that's what gives you personality, what gives you um, organization, gives you higher level cognitive abilities. Your temporal lobes give you speech and memory. These things are all which are being affected by your cell phones. And so we go global here. And I've talked about this before, but what does the government want? The government, the power elite, they don't want you to be able to think on your own. They don't want you to remember on your own. They, they, they um, base their entire attempts to take over the world by their knowledge that you have a short attention span, a short memory, and you will believe whatever you're told today because you don't remember yesterday. So you get every possible way to, to wage assault on your ability to think independently, don't learn things, listen to your cell phone, don't remember things, ask your cell phone what it was yesterday, and, and then provide you with not just an alternative to thinking and memory, but a device which actually interferes with your thinking and memory and may permanently damage those parts of your brain that give you self-control, self-reliance, intellect, memory, and speech. And you know, that sounds like a prescription for a disaster to me, and no one is talking about it. You know, the other day, Elon Musk said that if there's any, anybody in the world that would know about space aliens, it'd be him. And he doesn't think there are any space aliens. Well, when we come back, I'll, I'll tell you a little personal story about that. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. Yeah, 
You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Well, you know, on my on my last show, I was ragging on Elon Musk for, you know, uh, whether or not he's just the world's greatest scammer or whether or not he really wants to rule the world as a human god uh, as opposed to a computer god. Um, but one of the things that I found interesting in his uh, interview with Tucker Carlson was uh, Tucker has been putting on some uh, segments from time to time on aliens and UFOs. And so he asks the, uh, the, the world's smartest man what he thinks about aliens. And Elon Musk very shyly and, and, and uh, self-depreciatingly says, well, you know, um, if anybody were to know about space aliens, I think it'd be me. And, you know, um, I don't think there are any. I, you know, I haven't seen any. And then he says, you know, the government, the military always wants money. And if uh, the military was able to say, hey, we've got space aliens out there, you know, people be throwing money at them to protect us against it. Well, you know, if Elon says there's no aliens, then I guess I got to believe him. But, you know, oddly enough, I don't. Um, and I'll tell you a little, a little personal tale here. I've been kind of interested in this my whole life. And the reason is that, that uh, my dad was, uh, was in the Philippines after World War II. And after the war was over, he had to serve year for year for the Army, put him through school and medical school. And, and so he had to hang out in uh, the Philippines until 1949. And uh, during that period of time, there was, you know, no war to fight. And uh, so, but ammunition was free and plentiful. And so he uh, liked to shoot. And his shooting buddy was a guy who later on became a high-ranking official in what's now the CIA. Well, at some point along these lines, that gentleman from the CIA was in charge of what was called Project Blue Book in the Southwest, which was a official government inquiry into uh, UFO phenomenon, which in other words means, since it was run by the United States government, the official cover-up for what the government knew about UFOs. But uh, this this uh, colonel uh, and my mom and I were sitting in the living room in our house back sometime in the uh, in the uh, early 70s when the news about the Roswell crash uh, just reemerged, and we're watching a program on television called Hangar 17 about the uh, location at Wright Patterson Air Force Base where the alien bodies from Roswell were allegedly taken. And that when the television show gets over, my mom looks over to Colonel, whose name I won't mention, and says, "Is this true?" And he says, the only thing that isn't true is that whoever would have reported that wouldn't still be alive. Um, and so that kind of was kind of piqued my interest in it. But since then, you know, I've read a great deal. I've interviewed a lot of these people myself and my, my uh, brothers have actually witnessed UFOs. Um, and so, and you know, you got all these kind of anomalous things like, like cattle mutilation where, and that's, that's hit the news again recently where, where cows and horses will be found out in the field with their genitals removed, pieces of skin removed, their tongues removed, sometimes uh, internal organs removed with surgical precision, with uh, no blood loss, 
uh, and more interestingly, predators, not even insects, will attack the uh, the flesh for, for weeks and months afterwards. So that's kind of odd. You also have uh, a large pr- proportion of the population which, when hypnotized and asked just one question, what's the strangest thing you ever remember? Uh, when they're under hypnosis, they remember being abducted by aliens. And this is a large percentage of the population. Whitley Schreiber wrote a uh, uh, and he's an author of a sci-fi book called The Howling, but he's also written a couple of books on his personal experiences with the alien abduction. Um, first one is called Communion. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, it had an interesting effect on me. My wife bought it for me one time when I was laid up, and I read it, and, you know, it sparked memories in me to where I was terrified of the dark for a long time afterwards. I'm talking, I'm a 38-year-old man, I think, when I read the book. So... You know, sometimes I differ a little with, with Elon Musk. But, but here's, here's what I, I, I believe from the um, uh, consensus of everybody that I have read, and now I've read just about every book on the topic, um, all the books under Oswell, all the books on all the different uh, major abductions from, from Betty and Barney Hill back in the 60s to the present. And I, I think that there is, um, a, uh, uh, there is more out there than we can understand and as one famous uh, astrophysicist said, the universe is not only strange, it's stranger than we can imagine. And I will tell you a, a brief story, which will sound fantastic, but is absolutely true. Um, and it ties into this concept in kind of a backwards way. My wife and I were out at our country place, and we were talking with an employee. And we're standing on hard-packed, sun-baked Franklin County soil, which if, any, if you've ever been out to Franklin County, Missouri, you know the only thing we grow in Franklin County is rocks and sticker bushes. Um, and this soil, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't plant a daffodil without a pickaxe. But my wife and I are standing there talking to this employee, and a common box turtle is walking between us, walking between her and me. I mean, we're standing a foot apart. This turtle walks right between our legs and disappears into the ground, walks right into hard, baked clay soil. It's not digging its way in. It's not, it's not going into an existing hole. It just walks out of existence. We've always called that the uh, trans-dimensional turtle, okay? And one of the... Uh, one of the concepts is uh, if you believe in an infinite universe, if you believe in a universe without limits, then you have to believe that everything that has a probability of existing greater than zero does exist because that's the definition of infinity. And so every possible version of our lives, every word that could come out of my, wor- my mouth next will come out of my mouth next in some different version of this universe. And the, my, my best conclusion for all of this is why all these will-o'-the-wisps that have existed as long as there's been humanity is, and been reported as long as there's been written language, um, they may be trans-dimensional beings. They may not all be turtles, um, but I, I think that that may be part of it. But I, 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 I'd like to talk to Elon Musk about that in, in some detail, but I don't think he's going to answer my phone calls in a big hurry. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to conclude today with a, with a totally anomalous topic, um, and that is um, I've never been a big fan of Sigmund Freud, but he had a concept that I've, that's intrigued me for as long as I've been alive, as long as I've been uh, old enough to understand what it means and see it at work in the, in the real world. He called it the narcissism of minor differences. 
Um, this is a concept that the more two peoples have in common, the more they will focus on small differences, which will then be magnified in their imagination to become important differences. You will find that that all the the uh, the, the most bloody and vicious wars in the world are fought by people that are very similar. For example, the Scots versus English, right? The uh, Croatians versus the Serbians, um, Shia versus Sunni. Um, just you, the list goes on and on and on. I remember back when I was taking Russian area studies in, in uh, high school, there was a, a war in Russia one time between people that thought you should do the sign of the cross with two fingers versus people that thought you should do the sign of the cross with three fingers. I mean, but that's exactly it. It's a really interesting concept. And when you think about it, you think how much of human existence is driven by that thing, the narcissism of small differences. Think about high school. You go to high school, you know, by the time you're a junior in high school, you believe that your high school is the best high school in the world, and you have a rivalry with another high school. Uh, where I grew up in Webster Groves, we had the Turkey Day football game between Webster Groves and Kirkwood High School because they were rivals. Think about the, the Cardinals and the Cubs. Uh, think about how when you, when, you, when you go to a city, a city has a baseball team or a football team or a basketball team or all three. And here, if you live in the city of St. Louis, people refer to our Cardinals. Well, Cardinals are really, you know, owned by a bunch of big billionaires that, that don't really, you know, you know, have much in common with us. But what they have done, is, what the powers that be on every level have learned is this concept, this narcissism of small differences, where a basic instinct of human beings is to internalize and then maximize the small differences between themselves and people that they're virtually identical with. And that can be used as a weapon to tear us apart. That can be used as a weapon to constantly distract us from what's really going on in the world. Um, and I, I'll give you an example. I mean, Karl Marx called religion the opiate of the masses because you could get people focused on religion and they would never see the big picture. You'd never see the, the communists taking over the world, for example. But think about sports. Think about football, for example. Think about you and your best friends when you're out having a beer. Think about how much you know about the names of all the quarterbacks in the NFL and who the, the wide receivers are. Ask yourself if you can come up with the names of all the, uh, the starters on the offensive line of your favorite football team, and I'll bet you can. And, you know, you'll find people that know the, uh, the college prospects uh, that are going into the, the, the major leagues and the names of the high school prospects that are going to get recruited by colleges. But then ask yourself, how many of those same friends could name the congressmen from their home district? or name the, all the congressmen from their state, or even name the senators from their state, or even name their governor, or the lieutenant governor, because this has been a process that's been at work, and I've seen it developing through my entire life. And that is that the ability for human beings to focus on small, irrelevant issues and get angry about them and personalize them and believe that their belief on those small, irrelevant issues are superior to all other people's beliefs on those small, irrelevant issues is an amazing way to control us. I mean, think about when I'm talking about the, the most violent and deadly wars. Think about the American Civil War. You got people, brothers fighting against brothers, states fighting against states. You know, there were maybe big political issues, but the things that were driving people was a basic animosity amongst people who were essentially identical in orientation, identical in, in, in their lifestyles, their goals, their ambitions. 
And one of the things that I see right now is this being used in every level. You know, my wife and I were talking about it on the way over here today, talking about, for example, uh, critical race theory. And she's, and I'm saying, you know, using that as an example of how the government tries to divide us along small lines. And, you know, ever since I've been alive, the, uh, the concept until recently was that we need to all pull together, that once again, to use the old cliche, people should be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And why? Because from the beginning of this country until very recently, when people moved into this country, we all pulled in the same direction. My wife's uh, family is, is an example I use all the time. When her grandparents came over from Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia, they didn't speak English. They didn't have any money. They moved into a small shack. They worked in the steel mills, and they prospered. They became world leaders. They became uh, presidents of large corporations. They became college professors and deans. Um, and because And it didn't make any difference that they weren't Americans when they came here, that they didn't speak English, they didn't have money, because they were pulling in the same direction. Well, one of the things that, that the power elite decided was that we can't pull in the same direction anymore. Instead of a melting pot, we need to have a salad bowl where we all maintain our individual individual distinctions, our heritage, all these different things. And instead of using that to make us stronger, to, to build upon those similarities, use it to tear us apart, to try to convince people that there are the oppressed class and the oppressor class. Even though the day before you're told that, your best friend might be one of your oppressors or your best friend might be one of the oppressed, but now you're being told that you're a bad guy because you're an oppressor or he's a bad guy because he's an oppressor and you're a victim because you're a member of the oppressed class and just carving you apart on ever smaller and smaller and smaller issues. And all these things, I mean, I'll go, I'll go back to one of my favorite topics is crap about transgenderism, right? Telling us that kids as young as two years old can determine who their, what their real sexual orientation is, what their real gender is. You know, it's obvious nonsense, but why do they throw out things which are obvious nonsense? Because it inflames people, because it can get people upset, because it can distract you from the real message, real what's going on. That is this now seemingly inevitable push towards a single world communist government. That thing that Tucker Carlson mentioned the other day, that was looking more and more like we are now a one-party state. And the one of the most basic rules of control is that the power elite does not care at all what you believe in as long as you believe in it very strongly because that can create strife between individuals. It can create strife between cultures. It can, 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 it can cause strife between races and social classes. You can carve up the human pie into as small a piece as you want to and get people to hate each other based on those minor differences because it is an inherent defect in our personalities, that narcissism of minor differences, and they can use that to distract us, they can use that to control us, they can use that to dominate us, and they can use that to keep us from looking at the big picture and saying that beyond everything else, beyond all the smoke, beyond everything that's put in front of us, the one thing we always need to fight for is our personal freedom. We need to fight against any entity that wishes to dominate us, to take away our freedom, to take away our self-determination, and that's the real picture. Every time a new topic is sprung on us, every time a new crisis is created by the media, every time a new ism is created, ask yourself, is this 
an important issue or is this just smoke to, to obscure the main problem? And that, I think, is what can, you can call it the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You can call it the border crisis. You can call it transphobia. But in all these issues, they're just ways of creating the crisis de jour to keep you from seeing the systemic erosion of your liberties and the concentration of power in the hands of those people that wish to do you harm. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.